All right, today we're going to be talking about this concept called Imago Day. And Bo and Katie, before we jump into what this means to a Christian, we should probably start by 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 well, let me Katie, let me ask you this question. If if I were if I had a Mormon and a Christian in a room and I said, "Do you believe we were created in the image of God?" That's what Imago Day means. What what do you think the answers would be from those two people? I think both the Mormon and the Christian would say, "Yes, we agree with that statement." But I think that the meaning behind those words would be different for each one of those people. Yeah. So, Bo, we're going to have you put on your seminary teacher hat. And I, I, why, don't, why don't we start with this? And for our Mormon, li- for our listeners with a Mormon background who are trying to wrap their mind around biblical Christianity, it might be good for us to start with, like, what would a seminary teacher say about Imago Day? If you were teaching your students in the classroom, about what it means that we're created in the image of God. Let's start with that. And then we're going to come in after that exercise and we're going to say, okay, what, what would you say now as a biblical Christian? Sure. Yeah. So, so teaching seminary for the LDS church for years, um, you know, we covered this topic a lot and it's different than in, in Christianity. So we'll start there. So the, uh, there's really kind of a, a few different talking points when you talk about being created in God's image to a Mormon, that is the same thing as saying we are children of God, which is completely different from, uh, you know, what, it, what a Christian or, or what the Bible teaches. So, so maybe what we'll do, I'll, I'll break it into kind of four, four points here, right? So, um, yeah, so, so Mormons believe that all of us on earth, all humans, um, are eternal spirits, meaning that we existed before this life as spirit children of God. So because of that belief, Mormons believe that we are literal children of God so that when we talk about being in God's image, Mormons view that as quite literal. We have the same body that God has. We have the same attributes. Now contrast that to what the Bible teaches. It's obviously quite a bit different. We can get into that later, but that's, that's kind of the first thing, right? Uh, yeah, Mormons believe that all humans... Or spirit children of God, and, and and that because we were spirits before this life, created by God, that means that um, God not only is our Father metaphorically, but quite literally. Okay, um, so if if we're literal children of God, that means that we're His offspring. Now, there, there's a few verses that I would always point to as a seminary teacher. In fact, I'll, I'll just read a couple of them. So um, in Acts 17, it says, you know, for in him we live, we move, and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, uh, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. So we would use that scripture to point out, like, look, God wasn't some idol. He was... Um, like us, right? We were God's offspring. Um, and then we would point to like Jeremiah 1.5, that before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you, basically is what he says. And before you you were born, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet. So he basically, what, what Mormons would teach there, and what I would teach my students is that God knew us before this life. We were there in the pre-earth life, and we ha- he has a job for us to do here. And so because of that belief... Um, when we talk about being created in God's image, it's to a Mormon, it's the, the same thing as when we talk about 
being children of God. A Mormon would, would see that the same way. Okay. But, but if, if it follows then, right, if, if we're God's offspring, if, if we're his literal offspring, that means that God and mankind are the same thing, the, the same species. Okay. Um, it, and I think species is probably the right word. It's kind of, I don't know, the thinking of God and humans as the same species is a bit wild, but I, for yeah, 35 years of my life, that's what I believed, right? That, uh, that we were the same. So then obviously you, you, you fast forward that and, you know, according to Mormon doctrine, you know, we, we became powerful beings, uh, that create and rule worlds eventually. So not only are we his spirit children before this life, we come to earth, we get a body cause he had a body and then we will one day become like him. So that's, that's the picture that a Mormon has. So when, when we talk about being created in God's image to a Mormon, it's quite literal. So, you know, we open this, KD said, yeah, I think the Mormon and the Christian, if you ask them if they believe we're in, created in God's image, both are going to say yes, but, but both are going to mean completely different things. Okay, so a Christian who's listening to what you just explained at, with your seminary teacher hat on is going to say, what the heck are you talking about? Like, that is weird. In fact, we get into that in, in episode three of our podcast, if people want to go all the way back and, and learn about what Mormons believe about humanity. But to the Mormon listening, they're probably going to say, okay, what's wrong with all that? I'm tracking. This is what I've been taught. This is what Imago Day means to us. It seems so clear. It seems so obvious. We're creating the image of God. You know, you guys have kids and they look like both of you. It's it's the same thing. And so what's now, take your seminary teacher hat off, Bo, and Katie, you jump in too. So how do you, how do you view it now is one question. And the other question is, what's the big deal? Why is it a problem to view it the way you just described it with your seminary teacher hat on? Yeah, I, I think um, there's probably a few ways to answer that question. So maybe I'll start with the second question, which is, why is it a big deal? Uh, I think it's a big deal to view us as the same species of God because it is, it's elevating man where we don't belong and I think diminishing God's holiness, his, his power, his, um, his, his godness. Uh, to our level, which I think is, well, <laughs> there's no other word for it. I, I think it's, I can't, I can't say, can I say heresy? Shoot. Wow. Um, blasphemy. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you study the Bible, there is one God. God is a, a holy God uh, who deserves all praise and worship. And there is no other God before him. And, uh, that includes myself. I, I should not be elevating myself to uh, to God's level. Now, that doesn't mean I don't have godlike attributes. Doesn't mean He doesn't love me. He does, which is insane uh, that He loves me as the ridiculously horrible sinner that I am. Right, but that's what's so beautiful about the story of the Bible and the story of humanity and the story of God. A couple of things happen to to someone when they believe this type of literal um, children of God teaching. I think there's, when you raise humans up to that level and bring God down to that level, there's a lot of pressure that comes 
um, for us mere mortals to live up to the standard that Jesus Christ has set, which is perfection. And God, we all know that He can, nothing unclean can dwell in His presence. So if we are trying to reach that, um, then that, that provides like quite a bit of pressure, uh, kind of breeds some shame, uh, maybe even resentment. Um, or on the flip side of that, it could potentially make someone feel as though they are, they are reaching that level um, now. So it could mean that somebody kind of falls into the pride pit, right, where they feel as though they are um, almost you know, I don't want to say godlike now, but it could potentially go that way. Or it could be a combination, you know, the highs and lows of feeling like you're doing really good and then you crash because you sin again. Eventually we all do. So I think that this is a problem because, you know, it just doesn't provide that peace that God offers us through his infinite mercy. What would you say to the person who says, okay, hold on a second. I feel gypped now. My, my whole life, in fact, did you guys even feel that way, Bo? Did you feel this way? You were a good Mormon, return missionary, seminary teacher. I mean, bo- both of you are trying to check all the boxes, do all the right things. You didn't drink coffee. You didn't drink beer. Um, you really were like good, upstanding Mormons. And part of the reason is because you, because of this doctrine that that you're God's child, he was once like you, and you can be like him someday. Does it make you feel gypped now that you're going to learn something different biblically about this doctrine. <laughs> uh, I guess, yeah, I- initially, sure. I-, I think that's a really good question. I think, uh, you know, Katie, earlier, just a second ago, I think she said that it doesn't give the type of peace. And and I think, you know, a, a Mormon listening would have to do a double take and think, well, hang on a second. Being a child of God's pretty awesome. Believing that I am literal offspring of God is a pretty cool thing to believe in, and believing that um, that there is exaltation waiting for me after this life is pretty cool to believe in too. So, so I think it's tricky when that view changes when you start to unravel Mormonism, and obviously, you know, people listening probably are right now, kind of going through that. Uh, but when you start to study all about it and we start to realize that uh okay if mormonism isn't true then is the bible true and and wait am i a child of god or am i created in god's image it just create it, it causes all these questions and so it's important to understand what the bible teaches about being created in the image of god uh and, and it's important to to know that we uh are loved by god and that there is a purpose for us um and that purpose is to bring glory to God. So anyway, yeah, roundabout way of answering your question, but I I think sure to a, to a Mormon listening, they're going to feel a bit, uh, a bit, what, what was the word you used? Did you say gypped? Gypped. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A bit gypped. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back and answer each one of those points that you brought up as the seminary teacher. And let's talk about what the Bible teaches. So you said, first of all, Latter-day Saints believe that human beings are eternal spirits, but the Bible actually teaches something different, that human life and existence begins in this world. It doesn't begin in a pre-existence, it begins in this world. Was that hard for you guys to wrap your mind around, having believed something else for so long? Whoa, 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 whoa. You mean to tell me that 
that I didn't live as a spirit before this life? Wait, there, there wasn't, okay, hang on a second. There wasn't a big council in heaven where I chose to come to earth. Is that what you're telling me? Correct. Okay. So yeah, so to a Mormon listening, that is like, what are you talking about? Because from the time we're little kids, we're taught the plan of salvation. The plan of salvation begins with the pre-existence, mm-hmm. pre-earth life, where we all lived with God. Jesus was our older brother. We all chose to follow him in the war in heaven. And a third of our brothers and sisters, spiritually, were cast out, including Satan. So that's the Mormon mind frame. So, so yeah, when that changes, when in, the more you study the Bible, the more you have to allow that to change because none of this, the Mormon plan of salvation is in the Bible. So mm. yeah, it, it, it causes a lot of confusion. So, so again, I just maybe just restate it for our listeners. It's an important one to understand. So we, uh, here's, here's a good way to say it. And we'll get into this list of attributes here in a second, but the attributes of God, there's two ways to think of God's attributes is communicable attributes and is incommunicable attributes his incommunicable attributes are the ones that we can't, it's kind of like a disease. We can't catch it. We, there are things about God that are so different that we'll never attain to. And yet there are things about God that, that we can attain to. That's the difference between communicable, communicable and incommunicable. One of his incommunicable, in, that's a hard word. <laughs> One of his incommunicable traits is his eternality. And he, let me say it like this for more for people coming out of Mormonism to understand this. God is eternal in a different way that he, than human beings are eternal. God always existed and always will exist. Human beings, there was a time when they didn't exist, but now once you're born into the world, you will always exist. So, so a good way to think about it is, is the eternality of human beings goes in one direction. The eternality of God goes in two directions. They go in both directions. God always was. And I've always wondered, I don't understand why this pre-existence thing is in Mormonism, but it just dawned on me. It's because they're, tr- again, they're trying to do what you said, Bo. They're trying to bring bring God down to our level or bring us up to God's level. They're trying to sort of erase this difference, but this difference is really, really important. So that's the idea of of, uh, of eternality. Now we'll get into some, maybe we could do that right now. What are some of the other, let's Katie, maybe you can walk us through some of the other incommunicable attributes of God. In other words, the things that are only God's and not ours, we're like, we'll never be able to attain to these things. First of all, God is perfect. So that's one thing that we definitely cannot do or be. Um, he's all knowing. Um, he's, um, He's spirit. Um, he's omnipresent, so he's not limited like we are in space. Um, and he's and God is the only God in the universe, so he's the only one. It's, so it's a it's a it's an essence. God is essence. He is a mono. It's a monotheism. So he's not a not a species. No. Yeah. Yeah. He's a spirit and um, not a godhead as a Mormon would say. Now, is it weird for you guys to be saying these things? Because literally less than a year ago, you believed something completely different about God. And you guys always, it's always a marvel to me to just to see how much you guys are soaking up biblical truth. And it's it's one thing to soak up biblical truth if you're coming from no background at all, but you're soaking up biblical truth 
having come from a completely different background, at least in this area? Yeah, I think it's tricky. I think, uh, I think you find things every day that you say, and you're like, wait a second. No, that's, that's from maybe that's not the right perspective here, or that's, you know, that that's from a different, uh, view of God that isn't real. So, so I think there are, there's some unpacking to do for sure. And as we say, some of this stuff, I would say it's stuff that a lot of it we, we sort of believed in, but it's kind of, it's, it's the image of God stuff that I, I think threw me for a loop quite a bit. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So that let's go back to our lists. Cause I just, as people are trying to listen to this and wrap their minds around, it, I think it's helpful to share both lists, right? So the incommunicable attributes are those characteristics of God's nature that are unique to him. They can't be shared. They can't be communicated with human beings. And so, KD, you walked us through some of those things, like his omnipotence, his omnipresence. These are things that only apply to God and will never apply to human beings, ever. They'll never apply to human beings because we will not be gods, ever. So that's what the Bible teaches. Some of his communicable attributes, again, those are the attributes that are reflected in human beings, but in a finite form. So the, the, the words that we have on the communicable list, we, c- we can share some of these qualities like love and knowledge, but not to the same level that God can. KD, what else is on the list of communicable attributes? Um, we can be righteous, we can be merciful, faithful, wise, good, gracious, just, these are things that we can be. And I would say, especially through God's spirit, which is another thing that's different, probably definition wise. Yeah. And we can experience love. I think, I think all of these communicable attributes, everybody can relate to, right? Every, everybody can say, yeah, no, you know what, that, that, that's right. I have, you know, the ability to, to give love, to, to feel love, to, to be wise, not me, but other people, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, like we have these, these attributes from God that, that make us different from any other creation. Right. So for example, these communicable attributes are not attributes that the animal kingdom shares. This is like what it means to be made in God's image is, is we bear, we're image bearers of God. We can reflect, we can reflect some of these qualities to people around us. We can reflect these, some of these qualities to the world around us in a different way that the rest of God's creation can't do. And we'll get into that some more. Like what, so if, if Imago Dei doesn't mean we can be God someday and God was once like us, if it doesn't mean that we still have to answer the question, we'll do this at the end. We still have to answer the question, then what exactly does it mean? We're getting to that. We're unpacking that, but let's go back to your, to your list, Bo, when you had your seminary teacher hat on. So the other, one of the things, the other things you said is that Mormons say that human spirits were created by God and and that they're literally God's children, literally God's offspring. But the Bible teaches that we're not all children of God by nature. Walk us through that now that you understand that differently. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the Bible, <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, I would teach these, these same verses to my seminary students uh, without context, <laughs> uh, come to find out. So, so look, like, you know, I mean, there's, oh my gosh, there's so much, but 
The Bible clearly teaches that to become a child of God, uh, you have to put your faith and trust in the Savior. And, and when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are born again. You are spiritually changed. Uh, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, and you become a new creation. And, and that new creation becomes a child of God. You, you, you become adopted into the family of God. That's what the Bible teaches. It teaches it in Romans, teaches it in John. There's so many places that it teaches this, um, even in Acts. Uh, and unfortunately I would use those scriptures to, to showcase, you know, as, as a seminary teacher, I would use those scriptures to showcase, see, the Bible even says that we're children of God. And then I would lace, I would, I would layer in scriptures in the doctrine and covenants or words from the prophet Joseph or words from modern day prophets to show that we are children of God. We always have been children of God and we always will be children of God. Right. So that's, that's kind of the big difference is you become a child of God when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, uh, before that, you, you were not a literal child of God, although you were created with God's image, right? In God's image. And that's, uh, that's an important distinction. So, Bo, maybe we need to go back because you, you bring up a good point that you used a lot of scripture verses from the Bible to prove some of the Mormon doctrines you just walked us through. But now that you understand, I guess we should say that you understand Scripture differently. It this is why you this is why you're so firm on understanding a more biblical perspective. And maybe walk us through that for a second. Like, how big of a deal is this idea that you believe in the Bible now? Right? As a more, we talked last week that Mormons don't really believe that the Bible is trustworthy or true, and then it gets kind of watered down with these other three scriptures that Mormons have. And is that is that why it, it was it's so hard for the average Mormon to really wrap their mind around the simple biblical teaching that we're that we're walking through right now? It's it's so tricky because I well, you said something interesting, right? You said I would use biblical verses to prove what what the Mormon teach what the Mormon church teaches is, is true. And, and I don't think biblical verses could actually prove that mm. because so, so we would use it to support doctrine of the church, but not to prove it. You would need to go to words of prophets, words of modern day prophets, words from Joseph Smith, doctrine and covenant scriptures, scriptures in the Pearl of Great Price or scriptures in the book of Mormon and put it all together. And that, that's what a Mormon thinks is so beautiful, right? This whole concept of open canon is so beautiful to a Mormon because it's what allows room or space for this type of theology because it does not exist in the Bible. And I know that's it's it's weird to say that, but but that's that's what it is. So so the more I've studied the Bible, the more I've come to realize that I was taking scriptures completely out of context. Uh, mm-hmm. So for example, I was I was misrepresenting Paul to my to my seminary students. So so Paul in, in Romans 8, is teaching about how when we put our faith and trust in, in Christ, we become new creations, and, and that's when the Spirit dwells in us. That's when we become changed, and that's when we're adopted in God's family, and I would teach that completely differently. Front, well, not completely differently. I would teach that from a Mormon lens, and I would use those scriptures to support the Mormon, uh, the Mormon way of thinking, which obviously, as a Mormon, that's what you're going to do. So, for example, I mentioned Romans 8. Uh, this this whole chapter is about what happens when 
you put your faith and in, in trust in, in Christ. And j- just a few verses, okay? Verse 9, for example, you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Being, I mean, that that's a pretty plain and simple, okay? Um, and Christ lives within you. Even uh, So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. So again, it's when you are born again, you are made right with God, you become a new creation, the Spirit dwells in you. That's what adopts you into God's family. And and yeah, in, in Mormonism, it's, it's different. In Mormonism, uh, again, you... you there are you are a literal child of God, and um, so Mormons would would teach that no, you've always been a child of God. But what allows you into uh, heaven is what, what would you say, Katie? Remembering that, accepting Jesus, remembering you're a child of God. Like that's that's the thing is because they teach you you've always been a child of God. The purpose of life was to come here, be tested, see if you would put your faith and trust in get Christ, a get a body, because God has a body, mm-hmm. become like, it's just a, it's an interesting way it unravels. It's not biblical. Yeah. But I could, I could imagine, again, uh, our Christian listeners are listening to all this saying, what in the world are you guys talking about? Where does this come from? And it comes from the other Mormon scriptures. It comes from the other prophets. It comes from the other... Do- it doesn't, like you said, Bo, it doesn't come from scripture, the Bible. I should, let me say the Bible. It doesn't come from the Bible. It comes from Mormon doctrine. And then, like you said, the Bible gets like... We, in, in the Christian world, we call it proof texting. Is you're pulling, you're pulling stuff out, text out isolating it, it, taking it out of context to try to prove your point, but it's not faithful to the text. So a Christian listening to this says, this is so hard for me to understand. Where, where is this coming from? It's not coming from the Bible. That's the answer. It's not coming from the Bible. But for a Mormon, this is part of their problem. They're like, this is so hard. I don't know if I can continue to go through the pursuit with you and learn about biblical Christianity because this is so different from everything that I was raised with, everything that I grew up with. So how did you guys get over that hurdle? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, this is, it's tricky, right? Excuse me. You grow up your whole life singing, I am a child of God. You you sing that song and I'm not going to sing it. You sing that song uh, in primary, you, you, you just grow up with this belief that you are a literal child of God and that you will become like him one day. And when that kind of falls apart, you're, you're just sent reeling and you're wondering what in the world is true. And again, what, what it's, what's taught in the Mormon church is if this isn't true, there's nothing is true. And, and that's just so sad, right? Because they've, they've done all, they spent all this time to try and disprove or, or create distrust in the Bible for you. Right, so, so you've been raised with this belief in a plan of salvation and a belief that you can only trust the Bible as far as it's translated correctly, but only Joseph and the church knows which translation is the right translation. Mm. So like, it just creates this issue so that when the, the church falls apart, when, when Joseph and his teachings fall apart, you're kind of left with, wait a second, can I even trust the Bible? Can I trust? Anyway, uh, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but, but this teaching specifically that we're children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, that scripture, right, was always taught to me as 
we are going to be literal heirs of God's throne one day. And when that goes out the window, it's, I think it was really hard for, for me. I think it definitely brings a, a change, right? It, it, it demands a change of perspective on who you are and who God is. That's what this does. And it demands um, a change in your f- what you thought your future was going to be. And for me, that was a little bit hard, especially, I mean, we can get into this later and we've done it in previous podcasts, but eternal family, that was, that was really difficult for me. Um, but on the other side of it for me, um, this was, this made a little bit more sense to be honest, because if you take this, um, thought flow from, we were children of God, we are here to become like God, learn to be like God so that we can be in heaven and become gods. Um, the, the thought process, you know, can keep going. Well, who was God before this life? Um, where did he come from? Are there other gods? Was the council made up of other gods? Um, it's like there's it brings a lot of questions, and so it does demand a, a change. But and and it it can be hard to to wrap your mind around. But at the same time, that change can also be a bit relieving, at least for me, because those questions disappeared and I was able to see God as a higher perfect being that I can now trust in, right? Some, uh, a being that, that is humongous. And I've said this many times, but it's, he is a being that is big, omnipotent, perfect. And I can trust in him because because that's what he is. And then it allows me to be a, a human that is that is coming to faith in Jesus Christ, if that makes sense. Yeah, you said something interesting that I, I think is important to point out. So for, for Mormons, this whole concept of eternal families, uh, well, that's also a, a bit of a tweak to God's eternal family, that like eternal family is real. That's a real doctrine in Christianity. It's God's eternal family. We are adopted into God's family. And, uh, but Mormon, Mormonism puts a, a, a spin on it and it turns into your idol. So now all of a sudden K, KD and I, how, however much we love each other, that, that becomes the idol and, and our family being together forever and our hope that our kids keep all the covenants and go through the temple themselves, or we're not going to be able to live with them forever. That becomes a bigger focus than, than Jesus. When the, when, when what the Bible teaches is no, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are adopted into God's family. That is the, the true family, right? In eternity. And, and, and so even, even the twist that's there, it again, and, and we've, we talked about this earlier that, the, the, it puts the focus on us as man rather than where it belongs, which is on God. And it, it, the same thing with what we're talking about, about Imago Dei versus being a literal child, spirit child of God. It's the, it's the same thing that Mormonism does. Okay, so if, if Imago Dei in the Mormon conception isn't true, in other words, it's not that like the Lorenzo Snow couplet that 
as man is, God once was, and as God is, man may become. That's not true. That's not biblical. Forget it. You know, we've talked a lot about feelings and logic, and all those things are great. It's, but it's the main reason it's not true is because it's not biblical. It's not in the Bible. Um, and that's really what, forget about how it makes you feel, even though that's good. It's not biblical. But the Bible is very clear that God is at the center and God is different than we are and we will never be God ever. We can be godly. Those are his communicable attributes, love, knowledge, etc. But we won't be gods. Those are two, comp- like that is not, that is a, that is heresy according to the Bible. That is heretical to say that we can become a God someday or that God was once like us or that we are literal children of God from the pre-existence, all that stuff. I know this is shocking for people coming out of Mormonism to hear this, but I'm just kind of summarizing where we've been so far in this episode. All of that stuff is not founded in the Bible. I talked to so many people coming out of Mormonism that they've they've deconstructed, you know, the Joseph Smith and his history, and they no longer believe in Joseph Smith. They, they no longer believe in the church, but they're holding on to like two things and they just can't let them go. And it is that they're a literal child of God and that eternal families are real, right? Like they're, they're holding on to these two things. And if, if that, I don't know how else to say this. I think the Bible would, would call those things idols, right? They are holding on to these two idols and not letting go. And they're not allowing themselves to see the truth of what the Bible teaches, which again, I, I think is just so much more beautiful. One, because it's real. Um, it's really what the Bible teaches. And, and, and two, because it, it's what affects their, their eternity. And, and so it's just, I just hope that for Mormons listening who, who are deconstructing Mormonism, that, that you'll take a good hard look at you know, what you believe about eternity, what you believe about yourself, what you believe about God. And I, I just hope that you can let go of some of these things that, that were drilled into us as kids, drilled into me for sure, um, and give way to biblical teaching of Imago Dei, of, of who we are as image bearers of God, uh, and that one day we can be adopted into God's family. Like That's what the Bible teaches about eternal families and about being children of God, not what Joseph Smith taught. And I think it's, an, it's important to, to draw a line. And so here's what the Bible says about Imago Dei, being created in the image of God. Because it, because it says, we don't want this whole episode to be about what it doesn't say and how Mormon, Mormonism has twisted it, right? We want to know what, so what does it mean? Because it's important. It's important enough that it has one of the 12 topics in our pursuit series. It's that important. Imago Dei teaches us this, that Human beings are worthy of dignity and respect because we're created in God's image. Every one of us. We're not all children of God. We're not literal children of God. We're not children from the pre-existence. But we we are we we are image bearers of God. We bear His image because we're humans. Every every man, every woman, every child, every boy, every girl, every embryo, every 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 human being has dignity and respect because they're created in the image of God. That's one thing it means. Number two, so because because we're worthy of dignity and respect, therefore we 
we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I mean, this whole idea that American culture and you know, Mormonism, we've said before, is the is the first American religion. And so I think Mormons are tend to be pretty patriotic these days. This whole idea of life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, this flows out of Imago Dei. It flows out of the fact that every human being is worthy of dignity and respect because, because we are human beings, not because we're good, not because we wear our garments, not because we have a temple recommend, not because we cross all our T's and dot our I's, and not because we don't drink coffee. Like I think in any works-based religion, there's this sense that the people with who are really worthy of dignity and respect are the people that are really doing well in the religion. Actually, Imago Dei says that God loves every human being and wants every human being to come to a saving knowledge of him because he made us in his image. So that's the second thing. And then I think the third thing that the Imago Dei does for us is it inspires us to live with purpose. You know, when when the Pharisees asked Jesus, and they did they they were always like picking on Jesus, trying to trap him. And they said, "Hey, what's the most important rule in the rule book?" And they were expecting him to probably give one of the Ten Commandments. And instead, he said this. He said, "the the most important commandment is love your God, Lord your God, with your heart, heart, soul, and strength." Which was actually the prelude to the Ten Commandments. It wasn't even one of the Ten Commandments. It was like the Think of it like the intro to the Ten Commandments. It was the Shema. It was the the beginning of the Ten Commandments. What every Jewish kid would have understood, that's the most important thing is love God with everything. But then he added another thing. He said, and the second is equal to it, love your neighbor as yourself. Why, why did he add both of those things together? Because we're creating God's image, that loving God naturally leads then to loving people because people are created in God's image. So this whole idea of Imago Dei, while it doesn't mean what Mormons say that it means, that Mormonism teaches that it means, that we're, that we're literally spirit children of God and we can be God someday if we really work hard, and it doesn't mean any of that stuff. But what it does mean is even more beautiful. And more importantly, what it does mean is true because all those things I just mentioned come straight from God's Word, straight from the Bible. We've been talking about Imago Dei, and at the beginning, we asked the question to a Mormon and a Christian, do you believe that we are created in God's image? And both the Mormon and the Christian said yes. And then we started talking about becoming God someday. We started talking about a pre-existence. We started talking about God's in embryo, spirit, children. Like we started talking about all these things that I don't think one would would typically think about when you think about being created in God's image. Uh, definitely not a Christian would think about. Um, and a study of the Bible would not point to any of those things. So I, I just think it's an imp- it's important for listeners, especially those you know coming out of Mormonism, to reflect on who they are as image bearers of God uh, to appeal to the Bible for truth and to, to speak to God in prayer. And I think as, as people do that, they will come to grow their relationship with God. They'll come to understand what it means to be an image bearer of God. And it's my hope and prayer that, that they will become children of God as they, as they find Jesus in God's word.